the output showed that a kind act does have a significant effect on our happiness and well-being. It's one of the most effective ways to influence the well-being of you and another human being simultaneously. I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. My friend Jacqueline Lindsay is on the show today, and she's one of my favorite humans. She is the founder and CEO of Kindness.org, which is an organization, a nonprofit built around kindness. The study of kindness, acts of kindness, they're very data-driven, research-driven, they're global, and she started this from scratch. Prior to that, she was the head of key relationships for one of my other favorite charities, Charity Water. So she's got some some pretty solid background in the nonprofit space. And when she decided she wanted to do her own thing, she kind of went on this journey and got quiet and started writing down, you know, things that she wanted to stand for. We talked this through in this episode. She wrote down some things one day and she looked at it and she's like, is this a job or is this a mantra? which kind of cracks me up because I think a lot of us do that in those reflection stages. Well, fast forward, and she created that exact thing. She talks about how she did this. She took it from the intangible, what felt kind of esoteric and unattainable, and she brought it into a model that works. You know, it's a nonprofit that she's created that's several years down the road, and it's just been thriving. Jacqueline is also a graduate of the Renegade Brand Bootcamp, my program, and she's a new author. So you can check out her new book. It's called Be Kind. It's 52 weeks of kindness, meaning suggestions, ways that you can carry out acts of kindness, and there's research, statistics, data that backs up what happens when you do these acts. It's an amazing, very tactical book, but it's also beautiful. And I'm fortunate to be a contributor to Be Kind, which is, of course, available on Amazon. Jacqueline and I also discuss the process and journey she has had with sharing more of her why as the founder of a nonprofit and becoming more of the face of the brand. So we talk through the dynamics and what that experience has been like for her because it's not always easy. And she's very real and shares why she started this organization. 
Our conversation is wide-ranging. It's a chat between two friends, and let's hop into it. Jacqueline, my friend, welcome to the Why Not Now show. I'm so excited to have you. This has been a long time coming, and let's just dive right in. So can you tell me about a time when you had a big decision to make and you asked yourself, why not now? Yes, definitely. Um, Hi, Amy Jo. It's so exciting to be with you, and I've been thinking a lot about the why not now question in leading up to our interview. And the story that I want to share is the one that was really the impetus for where I am today professionally, um, which is leading an organization called kindness.org. So several years ago, I was in a job that I loved, uh, felt I had a very meaningful career. It had brought me to New York. I had fallen in love with Brooklyn and was, was living this kind of dream life that I think checked every box, which is why it didn't make sense that I was really struggling through feeling like there was something different or um, something else that I should be doing. I went on a pretty robust learning journey about myself over many, many months, thinking through where would I go? What would I do? Who am I? What do I stand for? At first, I was really drawn to the hospitality industry and and was making decisions to to go into something in that field. Um, and Hi, Abel. Uh, <laughs> I was definitely able, who did not get the memo mommy was recording. <laughs> this Yes, the theme of all of our lives right now. You're probably going to hear Lincoln soon, so they can have a conversation in the background. <laughs> oh, the reality um, we're all in. <laughs> This is self-quarantining people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it's so relatable. Everybody's like, yep. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I was was just wrestling, frankly, with what to do. and, And do I stay in this job that I still really loved and had great purpose or do I leap into this phase of, of the unknown and what is the unknown and how will I grapple with not knowing because I'm so type A, I feel like I always need to know everything. And, and so I was in that mental space. I had made the decision that I was ultimately going to leave my job and thought I had a plan and, and yet felt like it wasn't the right plan. And I had someone who you and I know very well, who introduced the two of us, who was out at dinner with me. And he just was like, Jack, I've I've never seen you like this. What is your mission? What is it that you want to stand for? And uh, it was such a simple question, yet incredibly provocative. And I decided to set some time apart to try and answer that question. What is my mission statement? I'd been involved in the charity space for so long, fighting for and supporting so many different kinds of mission statements, but in a way I had never really known what I stood for, who I wanted to be. And um, that question led me to a beach in California. The ocean is my happy place. It's where I feel most connected to God and, and where I feel like I almost 
have wisdom emerge from the waves. Um, and I, I just sat for many, many hours and tried to listen and prayerfully consider what I wanted to do, what my mission was, and how that could potentially translate into the future state of my life. And at the end of that, in giant letters, I wrote in uh, my journal, love others well, speak truth and encouragement, and inspire kindness and generosity. And this, of course, was not at all the kind of clarified mission statement I was looking for. (laughs) Um, It left me with a lot more questions of how do I do that practically? Is that a job or is this just like a mantra I'm going to operate by? Um, <laughs> and so I, I didn't know what to do with it, but I did know I ultimately, you know, needed to take the time and not pursue any venture, but to leave my job and, and focus on figuring out what was going to come next for me. So it was a very big, why not now? Because I had made so many decisions and yet was still grappling with if it was right or not. I was questioning everything. I was full of so much doubt. I felt insecure. (laughs) I felt, you know, self-conscious. I felt that I was making foolish decisions. And it was through all of that, that I got so close to who I was. I took this leap of faith. I, I called it chasing the unknown. And it was such a pivotal moment because I fully surrendered that I don't care what people think. I don't care how this looks. You know, I, I know that there were people along the way that might have been, you know, hurt or affected by this whole process I went through. So I had to reconcile with that. But this was really one of the first times that I can truly and deeply say I trusted myself and I listened to myself and, and I took that leap. And, and then a really beautiful moment came when uh, several months after that journal entry, uh, a dear friend and someone who had been sorting, supporting the previous organization I was with, um, we were having lunch and he said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this idea and I would love to explore doing it with you. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, it's real inspiring kindness in the world. And I showed him um, a photo of my journal entry. I said, well, that's, that's what I wrote in my journal six months ago. That's why I'm leaving. I don't have a plan lined up. And while I don't know for certain if this means we're going to do something around inspiring kindness, I know that this is the validation I needed um, that I'm doing the right thing. Oh, my goodness. There are so many things you just shared that I want to dive in deeper to. And it's, I mean, the trusting yourself that, that you mentioned there at the end, that what a big part of it. I, I keep having in my head, like, that's a tweetable moment. That's a tweetable thing. I don't know if you ever have heard Oprah say that as she's listening to someone talk and she's like, oh, that's a tweet. Cause everything you just said, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yes. Um, everything. Let's go back to kind of the beginning when you said the position you were in, it checked all the boxes. And I hear this so often where we don't really have a really strong reason on paper to make a shift or a change. But it's an inner knowing that's it's like the biggest data point that we overlook sometimes. And thankfully, you had that dinner with our mutual friend who asked that provocative question. 
did it take a while for you to kind of struggle internally of, no, I should want this. This is, this is what I wanted. This is, or did you just kind of know, okay, I know there's something else. Like, was there an internal struggle? Yes, definitely. And there are so many variables for me personally as to what fed into that struggle and and some of which actually are the impetus for my heart and passion for the idea of kindness as as a way to live. But I was operating in this place where I had some deep-seated insecurities that I hadn't quite faced. And those insecurities manifested in ways that led me to question my ability. And so it felt safer to just keep operating mm-hmm. as normal. Interestingly enough, I would I would say I'm I tend to lean away from the safe way. I, I'm more the person who will ask for forgiveness than permission. And yet here I was doing my best in this job and a job that I really did love and I felt rewarded by and that I was so humbled to do. It was as a fundraiser for an incredible nonprofit organization. And yet I couldn't shake what I was feeling. And so it was many, many months, many late night conversations with my husband, many journal entries, probably a couple too many bottles of wine split with friends, um, (laughs) where it was just trying to process and understand why does the tension exist? Where is it stemming from? And how can I overcome it? So it was quite a long journey. Mm, look at the self-awareness and also 100% responsibility there too. And I imagine that took some time to kind of arrive at. But but when you were asked the question of, you know, what is it that you want to stand for? You use the word provocative and it's such a good word, but it's that is overwhelming to so many of us where it's like, what, what? Like, and, and I know a lot of people freeze and either get scared or feel like they're maybe what they've done up until that point hasn't been meaningful or, or worth anything. And so that question of what is it that you want to stand for that was a feeling of being a little confronted mm. at first, did you feel open to it or did you, were you kind of resisting? Yeah, no, another, another really good question. I mean, I think that there's, there's one side of it, right? Which is you want to feel like, you know, what you stand for as, as a human. And arguably I would say, I know what matters most to me in the world. And, and I tried to live those things out in my daily life and and how I cared for people. But I think the struggle (laughs) is well, one for everyone, it may not be that what you stand for translates to your nine to five job, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that I could work anywhere and I would make it my mission to give my whole heart to wherever I was. I see it as an opportunity to serve and that's any role, you know, whether you're flipping burgers, which I've done, um, serving pizzas, which I've done or delivering pizzas. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing where I, I don't think you have the chance to try and embody the values you stand for. But I knew I wasn't just looking for a nine to five job. My work, it was critical, needed to have deep meaning for me. And so that added a layer of complexity. Then you layer in the idea that I've really always had an entrepreneurial spirit and I was ready to harness that or get back to that 
drive that I had but lost over the years. And so you start to be faced with this almost conundrum. Well, okay, I want to stand for these things. And I I feel like I want to build something of my own. um, And I need to do something that is fulfilling every single day. I can't just clock in and clock out. So it was a big puzzle and the pieces weren't always fitting together. But every time I did discover something new about myself or had a really profound conversation with someone I respected, something fell into place, allowing me to get to some version of a complete puzzle. Although I would argue I'm always a work in progress. So new puzzle pieces get added in every so often. (laughs) Same, same. The fact that you trusted this process was, gosh, it seems like it was so key because as you wrote in your journal, love others well, speak truth, you're talking about kindness and generosity. And then you ask the question, is this a job or is this a mantra, right? Is this, and I know so many people and working with, with women, usually it starts and it feels fluffy, meaning is there a tangible J-O-B here somewhere? Like, can I get paid to be in this bucket of words that I just put together that might feel like a poem? And if you would have gotten discouraged and kind of shut, shut things, shut the journal and just then you probably wouldn't have been open when that conversation came up at lunch that day that turned into a total career, a next career path. Um, But I I really appreciate you sharing that and want to honor that because how we start, you know, it, it was literally a journal entry. It wasn't a job description. It wasn't a business strategy or outline, some economic model. It started with such genuine kind of innate emotion. So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that because going from that to a an organization that you've built and created, which I, I really want to get to now, probably didn't seem that feasible at the moment. But you had to, like you said, trust yourself and surrender. And you said, I, I didn't care. I finally didn't care what people thought, didn't care how it looked. And, and I think I know in in leaving companies in the past, I almost worried about what my previous employer or leadership team or bosses cared more than anyone. I, I've always just, I think it's a natural thing. I just talked to someone yesterday who they had to really kind of let go of those leadership figures that were in their previous play, you know, organization or, or employer. Um, and it sounds like you might have felt that way too. Very much so. I operate under performance, or I operate best against performance and and deliverables and outputs. And I also, I mean, when you, I worked for a leader who I just deeply respected and, and alongside a team who I cared greatly for, I can say part of it was certainly feeling like, am I letting people down? (laughs) How am I going, you know, to hurt people throughout the process? That was a lot that I had to go through. In general, I think, too, the root of some of my insecurities come from caring what people think about me. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was young, uh, early on growing up in in, um, elementary school, most of my memories have a lot of beautiful themes of of self-confidence and a desire to help people and for unity and human equity. Like I had these things and memories that really stand out early on. And then I went through um, a really 
difficult, long season of bullying. And uh, I know now that that was a huge factor in how I operated as an adult and how I wanted others to see me and view me um, because I was always seeking that validation that I was good enough, smart enough, pretty enough. And that would manifest in ways such as, yes, not wanting to like let, let the boss down or worried about who I might be hurting in the process of doing what's best for me because you almost feel selfish. It's interesting how you arrived at this you know, this nonprofit idea and then later realized, and, and maybe this sequence of event, events is a little different, but it seems and just knowing you that be, it became more and more clear that, oh, maybe the, the passion and desire for this has to do with some things that happened in my childhood or in my past that you didn't even realize to begin with, that maybe it was such a driving force, which is kind of another beautiful non-coincidence, but you just didn't Mm -hmm. really see it coming. So then, I mean, we could take this in so many different directions, Jacqueline, and knowing you, like, (laughs) I just, um, I, I'm curious. So you now, if if you could take us into what kindness.org, what is it and kind of where you are right now and how this has manifested in not only your life, but also building this, this entity. It's, I mean, it's, Mm -hmm been fascinating to watch. I've been so honored to be a part of it. And it's always evolving. I can imagine right now too with, like we were talking about before the call, quarantine. And how do you have acts of kindness when we're in quarantine? But we can get there. So the next chapter in the story, so you you start it, you do it. Yes. So we have this lunch, this infamous lunch takes place. Um, (laughs) And I had already committed to do a several month long sabbatical to just rest and, and um, try and reframe and reset myself. And, and so that looked like a lot of travel with my husband, a lot of family time, a lot of pausing on technology, um, journaling, things like that. And it was a really beautiful and wonderful season. And over that time, I continued to speak to Neil, who is my now my now co-founder. The exploration was really around, okay, he and I are both feeling this pull towards kindness. We've independently landed there that it matters to us, but what does that actually translate into? And he had a desire to channel some of his philanthropic dollars into this idea but we didn't want to just start something for sake of starting it. We wanted to really understand how could we have a meaningful contribution in the world with this, frankly, nebulous mission, <laughs> you know, something that's quite hard to quantify and define and, and think through what impact of it means. And so for the better part of 2015 and the end of 2015 and um, into 2016, I really tried to do a market assessment and and just understand who's doing the work in the kindness space, compassion and empathy. What are the different models and ways that you could design or build something tied to kindness? So, you know, is are we a for-profit? Are we a consulting company? Are we an investment fund that's amplifying other amazing ideas anchored around this idea of kindness? Um, are we B Corp, you know, nonprofit. So it was really an exploratory phase to understand who's out there, who's talking about this, how are they doing it? Is there a gap? And is there a way that we could do something 
unique and meaningful. And at the end of that, where we landed and, and what the recommendation ultimately was, is becoming a public charity so that no one would question our intentions. So we did land on, on uh, being a nonprofit was the way to go as far as our structure. And then as far as what we would do, we would use science to develop kindness-based solutions for solving problems, essentially. And what I mean by that is we had the opportunity to sit with academics from Princeton and Berkeley and Stanford and, and many others who were studying things like pro-social behavior, human cooperation. They were looking at the psychology behind our choices and why we do or don't choose kindness. And and then we looked at all these amazing organizations who were talking about kindness in some capacity, but we saw a gap in anyone who was using science to build their impact or to design programs. And so we've come out really trying to operate by being underpinned by science, very um, research-led, and uh, and making sure that everything we do is credible, that we can validate it, that we're looking at the data and the evidence, but coupled with building hopefully a mission that resonates with people around the world that can mobilize people wherever they are to choose kindness. So we do that through inspirational content, storytelling, um, and trying to invest into digital connectivity and really lean in nimble, but allowing access to the tools we develop or the programs we create to be accessed, um, accessed by anyone around the world. So it's been a wild ride because even with that, where do you begin to think about impact? What are the programs you build? What are the needs? Kindness is truly a language everyone speaks. And what we couldn't have been prepared for, though one would hope for, was the immediate global reaction to our work and to this mission. So we launched officially at the end of 2016. And it's been such a roller coaster, Amy Jo, of course. What <laughs> what startup isn't, obviously. Um, and and many times I feel like I don't see like any you know, stop on the ride. I mean, I am just full force in it and it keeps me incredibly humbled and grateful. I think the biggest thing throughout the time has been realizing that this isn't an easy solution to package up. Um, there are so many initiatives and missions out there where it's a very clear cut understanding of what you do, why you do it and how you do it. And this has been, well, kindness matters. And we're learning a lot about the data and just how much it matters and just how much it affects our health and well-being physically, emotionally, mentally. You know, the data is fascinating. But then how you package and translate that and do that that knowledge translation from the science to, you know, mass consumption, that's been one of the most difficult and yet necessary things that we've had to commit to. I think one of your gifts, um, one of many... Uh, one of your gifts, Jacqueline, is taking intangibles and making them tangible, whether that's a journal entry that turns into a, you know, a full-blown nonprofit or the word kindness that then is brought down into, you know, brought down from the clouds kind of to earth and you're, you're backing it with science and data and research and measuring impact. And um, so I just I, – I, so appreciate your ability to do that because I think a lot of times our dreams live in the intangibles and it's sometimes hard to bring them down into, you know, a, a tactical, literal thing. And 
just, you have such a gift for that. So um, can you share really just briefly what happened when you launched? And I was grateful to be over in London with you when you were kicking things off. I mean, this was at your infancy. You had already done your learning tour, as you mentioned, but I was just kind of a witness to how this started from just a all hands on deck scrappy startup like like we all are when we start and then all of a sudden something big happens and I don't use the word viral loosely especially with my background because it can so be overused but you legitimately did go viral and uh, what a dream come true can you talk a little bit about what that was like (laughs) so by this point, fast forwarding um, almost a year since that initial conversation Neil and I had, we ended up bringing in a third friend who had also independently landed on the idea of kindness to be our, our third partner in this. And uh, what we looked at for the launch were a few key things. We wanted to come out with a piece of research that we thought would contribute in a meaningful way to the scientific space around this idea of kindness. And we wanted to create a piece of content that we thought could showcase kindness in a way that was accessible. Um, And we planned to release that online. We did a really thoughtful press strategy anchored around the launch, what we were trying to design and build, leveraging the research component. And we built a website and had a platform where you could log and share stories and acts of kindness. And we had um, a variety of people speaking into that with what kindness meant to them. You, Amy Jo, were one of them. Um, and that was uh, about helping to amplify the message and, and have real people talking about why kindness matters to them and what an act of kindness looks like in their own life. So multiple pieces of the strategy um, were in play. The research we did was conducted in collaboration with Oxford University. We had an incredible scientific team come in to try and study the link between uh, a kind act and our well-being and happiness. Um, so we were really interested in our the idea of kindness as a choice and the actions we make or don't make. Um, and uh, and so they did what's called a systematic literature review, incredibly groundbreaking piece of research. And through that came a meta-analysis and the output showed that a kind act does have a significant effect on our happiness and well-being. It's one of the most effective ways to influence the well-being of you and another human being simultaneously. So really powerful piece of research. And then this video, it was just you know, kind of a, um, an idea to create a video showing a gentleman going around asking people if he could help them with anything. And we put it online on Facebook. We worked with a brilliant team out of London who we're still dear friends with, and um, they've gone on to produce other content for us as well. But it was just showing the simplicity of what happens when you say, can I help you with anything? And, and the beauty of what can come when um, you offer that. And that video immediately went viral. It is actually now considered the most viewed charity video on Facebook um, Mm -hmm. uh, from all the data points that we've been given and told. And uh, how many views? um, How many views? Just I'm a metrics girl. So we're over 120 million views. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. It warms my heart. Uh, and and it was it was incredible. I mean, the stories that came, the outpouring of people just resonating with this mission, 
I made a commitment that we would respond to every single message. And we received thousands of letters from people literally in more than 190 countries. That's actually letters in, you know, through, through current day, but it has been unbelievable seeing the response and reaction, even still to content. (laughs) Um, when you put something out that resonates with people. So yes, it went viral. It was one of our, one of three, we've now had three videos go viral. So I think it's indicative to the craving and hunger people have on the digital space for more kindness. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we've really been fortunate to leverage content to help drive action and to help, you know, bring people into the fold of the work we're doing. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Are you ready for change? Or maybe you're already in a season of expansion. As we embrace this new decade, are you ready to take action on your own Why Not Now idea? Maybe that means starting the company, launching the podcast, writing the book, or doing more public speaking, injecting your why into what you are doing. At the end of the day, that is exactly what creates connection. And connections convert. My life work is to help guide women through this very stage in their life. I do this through the Renegade Brand Bootcamp. It truly is the career love of my life. The reason I love this program so much is because I'm able to create a mosaic, a collection of like-minded, like-hearted, driven women who come together to level up. They learn the renegade mentality directly from me, and I share everything I've learned over the past 20 years in business. It's equal parts education, collaboration, accountability, and community. We are accepting applications for our 2020 program. And you are welcome to go check everything out about the program at renegadebrandbootcamp.com. And as a very first step, just sign up for my five-day email series. I uncover all of the questions about the bootcamp and help you understand if it's right for you. We've had some incredible women come through the program, and you will hear from them as well. You can check out the curriculum the structure, the vibe, and everything in between. Many years ago, I went to Mark Cuban and asked him for investment advice. I thought I was going to get some real estate or stock market type of advice. Instead, he said, invest in yourself. Invest in your own growth. Invest in yourself. Bet on yourself. This is the best ROI you will ever find. If you're at that point where you are ready to take action, head to renegadebrandbootcamp.com. If it's okay with you, I'd love to bring this back around to Jacqueline and just shed some light on a conversation you and I had had for a few years. I'm I'm kind of known for encouraging people to humanize their brands and share their why behind and their who. And I know for a, for a while it was, you know, there was just not a strong desire to lean into that. And it's, it's, it's also very understandable given kind of the topic. And, and having worked with you in the Renegade Brand Boot Camp too, do you mind talking a little bit about that and kind of where you are now and what it's been like to navigate as a founder – of something that is so human, 
I mean, kindness is a extremely, it's a fabric of, of humanity. Where are you kind of netted out and how you're navigating showing up more, you know, with, with your story and with where this started, like the, the genesis. Uh, I'm a strong believer in that people do care and want to know, and it just helps that loyalty. Uh, and yeah, I think it's just so relevant. So many people are in similar spots. Yeah, definitely, man. So, so first and foremost, in general, I've struggled to want to talk about myself, and uh, and so that's just been something I've worked through on the personal front in like in general. But when I got into this, I was sitting with our team, and we really were intentional that we didn't want to anchor this in the face of one of us me as the CEO. And that was saying we wanted to try and build this where it was reflective of reality, that kindness is about all of us as humans. And, and so it was a very intentional choice that you can't find us on the website. And I did very little to self promote who I was and my role connected to this organization. I even remember when we were working on the press strategy, I was trying to find a way, you know, do they need to interview someone? Can we just highlight the work and the mission and the organization? Um, and they said, no, we need a face. We need uh, someone to be a spokesperson. We need a human here. heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's been an evolution of one, realizing people want to hear from the human side of this, exactly like you're saying. You can have all the, you know, beautiful elements of a brand or you know, a stunning website, but if there isn't rawness, if there isn't realness behind it, then what's it for? And that comes through the voice of a person, I believe. I think there's only so much work a brand can really do. And, uh, you know, for me, frankly, going through the Renegade brand bootcamp in the fall, that was me taking that intentional step to say, I am ready to embrace this reality that I have a voice in this. I have a lot to say. And uh, I do have a credible contribution to make on the topic. And this also was, I feel like a lot of things are tied back to this, but it was me working through that self-doubt again. Why was I nervous to do this? Um, What was holding me back from it? And once I was able to really reconcile that and yeah, there might be haters, you know, you might have days where you're feeling like a post, I don't know, was silly or something. But as long as you're just being true to you, at the end of the day, that's what matters most to me. You know, I want to feel that I'm just honoring who I am, and honoring the mission through that. So I've made a commitment to start being a lot more vocal, even being with you here today is a reflection of that commitment that I am so proud of the work that we're doing and I'm proud of my role within it. And I want to encourage anyone who might be struggling with that one completely understandable Two, if you decide, you know, building your own brand or, or, you know, having that human heartbeat to the work you do isn't for you. I respect that and will support anyone who chooses, you know, to go down that path. But by me opening myself up to saying, I want to talk about this and I want to be a spokesperson for this. It's honestly just 
amplifying the mission more. And it's also helping me grow in who I am, which I never want to stop doing. So it's been a (laughs) win-win. Oh my gosh. Yes. And it's, I appreciate you sharing because this is not uncommon that, you know, we feel this way and founders feel this way, CEOs, leaders, solopreneurs. And I think it's what you what you came around to at the end there of you're proud of the work you're doing. I I just it lights me up because that is coming from a place of of service and and you can you know as you share and and this right now I know this is a big deal. It's not every day you hop in and start talking and sharing your story and and of course you've had some amazing interviews and you've been on the Today Show and so on and so forth. But it's. It's always that work that is leading, it seems. And so this is a big deal to kind of, you know, to even address us. But coming from that place of service, uh, I think sometimes helps people ease that sting of, oh, my gosh, am I being humble enough? Do people care about me? And all of the mind, you know, the monkey mind and all that normal self-talk that we have. Um, it's just focusing on, okay, I am here. This is for them. This is for, you know, for the people that you're serving and you're the guide, obviously not the the hero and that you, you, you can't fake that, um, as you show up that way. So I'm just, I'm so grateful that the world gets to hear more of your story too. And, and so is this, would you say, I'm sure it's a work in progress, um, but you've been, you know, with the recent book that you wrote and or co-wrote and just kind of experimenting with ways you're sharing your story, does it, is it feeling better? Are you, are you finding that it's opening up and, and kind of getting easier? Also a good question. Um, so the book was such an interesting exercise in this because it's print. <laughs> and yeah. I know kind of like, you know, the digital size. I feel like there's more chances to scrub it than there is to somehow get every copy of a book um, and take them away. So, you know, <laughs> um, I, I mean, in all seriousness, the so the, the book, it's called Be Kind, and it's uh, taking the reader on a journey through a year of kindness week by week. So um, our organization's mission is to educate and inspire you to choose kindness. So the science is where we educate um, contents where we inspire, but ultimately it's up to you to decide to choose it. And so we are here to provide act recommendations and help you think through your choices and what that looks like. And then that translates into how we develop our programs. And so each week you hear from a scientist, um, and a thought leader, um, and you hear real stories of acts of kindness and, and then we guide you with what to try and do that week to get you out of your comfort zone a little bit with kindness. So it's really a compilation, a curation, if you will. Um, so my writing contribution really was focused around the intro and, uh, it was such a hard thing to sit and write because it was an opportunity to be real, but it was also an opportunity to just play it safe. You know, I could have chosen one of two options, I would say. And that was probably the biggest test for me because I was ready to say, 
I'm putting this in print. It's not going to go anywhere. And what are the words that I'm going to choose to write down? And I sought, I gave it so much thought and I sought to write um, that first version and it did shift just a little bit, you know, finessed words, you know, grammatically commas, but the intention of what I sought to write my very first time stayed the same. And it was the realest I've ever been publicly Mm. um, to an audience who doesn't know me. And it was so hard and yet so good. And I'm so confident I made the right choice that day when I sought to write and just be real. And it, it was, it's a short, but very authentic intro into who Jacqueline is and how I got here and why I am the way I am, I guess. So it does get easier. That was one of the hardest things I've done being with you. Now I even find myself like in real time feeling like I'm sharing more than maybe I'm normally comfortable with, but I, I am fighting to keep being true to who I am. And in some way, hopefully this can resonate with someone out there who's figuring out what that looks like for themselves. Mm, Absolutely. Thank you. And it's um, time and frequency and just practice of, you know, being able to have these conversations does tend to make things a little, I don't know if easier is the right word, but uh, comfortable, maybe a little bit more comfortable. And, and so within the intro, you know, you, you focused on the bullying aspect and did you find it kind of therapeutic uh, in its own way? I did. Um, I focused, it was very few words, but the intention was loud and clear. Um, my experiences in middle school and high school led me down an incredibly self-destructive path towards drug use. And that drug use led me down very scary paths of not knowing if I would survive and landed myself in, in the hospital. And that led me to faith. My faith now is the anchor of all that I do. It's certainly what's behind this work and this mission. And I think I really struggled to intertwine all of that out of hesitancy one there's something around this idea of kindness and maybe an expectation I on myself that no one else has necessarily put on me that I need to be kind all the time and almost this idea of like you must be like a goody two-shoes or I even wonder like you know do people think I'm fake or I'm not really you know a kind person or something um I will say actually in one or two arguments very heated heated arguments with my husband. He's certainly muttered something along the lines of more like the CEO of meanness. So I am am a human. I, I, of course, am not kind all the time. But I think showing all those sides of my journey, it was trying to say we've all had a story. We all have a story. And to me, it is those elements of what I've been through that make up who I am today. And I'm proud of where I've gotten to. And I'm excited to see how much more I evolve and grow. And so I don't want to dismiss the background of what makes up Jacqueline, because it's not just the story, it's it's the fabric, but it's it's helped shape how I want to lead, who I want to be, how I show up for friends and strangers and family and, 
And so that means it's a relevant data point to, to have. Oh, I am, I've got full just goosebumps over here. And I, I just, it's been such a beautiful process to see you navigate and the fact that you went there, like even today, seeing is believing. And it's, you know, I think it's hard for us sometimes to sit back and listen and, and hear about, you know, these stories, success stories that, that sound, yeah, wow, got it all figured out. And then what we realize is like with you, we we do learn what we need to teach. And there's so much more volume and weight and impact and ability to drive action, I think, when we go to those areas in our paths where we've experienced some struggle or, you know, we we are able to kind of, you know, share those messier times. I know I'm a much more inspired by that than hearing about someone's success, and, and I'm not alone in that. But um, thank you so much for, for sharing and just... I, I, it's so relevant, you know. It's um, it's a process, isn't it? And it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I think that's the life work. It's just really starting to self actualize, and then how you've started to piece this together. And it's like, oh, oh, I can kind of hear it, and I'm doing that about your story as I listen. So it's like, wow, oh, that led to that, and that. It's like, wow, this is going. You know, this this is all. There's a plan here. I would love to hear some of the things just maybe to wrap us up as people are listening probably in their homes, <laughs> in the working in their houses with their spouses. Uh, do you have any tips, tricks on how to practice kindness while we're under quarantine, while we're under lockdown? And I mean, it's such a different world we're all in, this new normal. I know. It's it's so unprecedented and we've certainly been thinking about our role in this time, you know, the work we've done around actions and impact on well-being, and, and the role of kindness online has almost poised us to be able to help think about a response and how to equip people. So one thing um, that I encourage you to do if you are home with children, um, if you became an unexpected educator and and now we're trying to juggle life being home with children who are home because of school closures. If you go to our homepage, we've just launched a, a resource page um, specific to COVID-19 that can help equip you with vetted resources across a variety of categories to help talk about COVID-19 with kids and what a social emotional learning like uh, in this environment. Um, so it's, it's a great, great tool. It's, you know, well-organized and hopefully can equip you with ideas and ways to be with your children during this time. And, and there's loads of ideas of what kindness you can do, um, together as a family. Um, and what's and the then, URL again? It's, so it's kindness.org forward slash yeah, if you go to um, kindness.org, it's you can get to the button on the homepage. On the otherwise, homepage. okay. Yeah, otherwise the landing page is it's actually learnkind.kindness.org slash COVID hyphen nineteen. Um, so okay, uh, yeah, <laughs> whichever is easier. Um, LearnKind is one of our applied programs. We had actually just launched it in 120 classrooms in 18 states around the country. 
um, uh, in February and had, you know, thousands of students going through this incredible module that we did to cultivate soft skills in the classroom um, in kindergarten through eighth grade. And we're studying the impact of it. We were doing surveying and it was part of um, one of our partnerships that we have with Nivea and this happened. And, you know, the reality is what do you do when you're in the middle of program delivery? Mm-hmm. Um, so we tried to quickly adapt. And that's what this, this page is really trying to do is still serve families and teachers because kindness is needed more than ever right now. Okay. So you're home, maybe you don't have kids or you are going to check that page out, but you're also just thinking about one-off things. So this is a lot of what we're trying to do is really equip people with tangible acts that they can do. So a few ideas, try and arrange a video visit with someone who's elderly, not only Often are elderly people the most lonely population independent of what's happening in our world right now? They're right now obviously the most vulnerable to COVID-19. So doing something where you can connect with them and, and you know, um, love them uh, mm-hmm. is something that could be, I mean, beneficial to both of you. So highly encourage you know, something like that. Obviously, maybe not everyone in your life who's elderly has video access or you can do a phone call as, um, as a backup, really thinking through the role of technology. So I do feel that a gift towards self right now is using this time to rest. I've talked to so many people who are overwhelmed by the news and the media and they're like going stir crazy. Okay. You're home, right? I know it's, seemingly very difficult, but what does it look like for you to somehow find a silver lining in this dark cloud and uh, nurture yourself? And so take a rest, really focus on like spending time doing the things that you might not normally do if you had a free hour, because you're probably home and, and you're figuring out how to fill the time. It's almost better to just take a breath and not fill the time and just be. Um, so no TV, just what does it look like to curl up with a book, to play a board game, put your phone away, take that long bath, answer the email from someone that you've been putting off or even more, write the email to someone who you know you need to forgive or um, someone who you want to ask forgiveness for. So it's really allowing space for those things that we can often neglect or pass over because of time. Those are a few ideas. Taking an online first aid course, you know, I think this pandemic has probably rifled everyone in different ways. There's extremes of what you might be feeling, but being prepared and knowing things like first aid, that's not only useful and could help save a life down the road, but you're home and you might have the time now. So um, there's online first aid courses and we're going to be posting vetted uh, courses out as well. So you can keep an eye out for that. So those are some ideas. Mm, Those are great. Those are really tangible and, and simple too. I mean, it's not like this has to take an entire day. You can, you can put these in as nice little reprieves. And I love the idea of taking this time to kind of rest pick our heads up, reflect a bit, um, and the completions, like reaching out to someone to complete an energetic loop Mm -hmm. and kind of, oh, that's so powerful. And it's, yeah, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Jacqueline, you've made such an impact on on me personally, and I appreciate it. I know and I can feel that you have with our listeners too. And I just am grateful for you and encourage you to continue to share your story and vision and learnings. Um, the, the work you're doing is so important. It truly is. And, and you should be so proud. So we will be following along. And yeah, thanks for sharing your time and your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was such an honor and joy. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for you. You've been an incredible mentor, friend tour to me over the years. And it's um, amazing to see this come full circle and the chance to um, share this story so many years after we first met. Oh, warms my heart. Thank you. everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. Hit me up on social media to let me know what you think. I'm at Amy Jo Martin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I want to hear your why not now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to why not now at amyjomartin.com. For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. I'll see you next time. And until then, why not now? Oh, 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 oh